One route we haven't talked to, to re- about reinvention is just following your passion. And I know you've heard this before, and I say it to my kids, which is find the thing that you're passionate about and it will never feel like you're working a day in your life. And I was lucky enough to do that um, as a writer, um, finding my way to the world of magazine editing. And yes, there were periods where it got boring, boring or dull or political or, you know, I had terrible bosses, things like that. And it was horrible for a while, but it would always go back to the basic work was enjoyable, fun, creative, all of that. What I love about our guest here, Cindy Gulbert, is that she never really planned where she was headed but she only went for the things she was really passionate about. And it was passion after passion after passion. Um, She started out at Y&R and ended up handling the Noxema account just because she came up that way as a young woman. And then she ended up moving into a different area in the hotel business and then having a couple of personal events, divorces, things like that that left her traveling um, the world, living in Spain. She went to Bali and bought a, bought, brought back a beautiful plate that she was excited about and it came back totally in pieces and she brought it back to somebody who put it all back together. And that was her idea about restoration. And if you listen to her whole history, that's the story of restoration. She likes to take things that are broken and put them back together. And once you know what that thread is in your life, what it is you like to do, like she says, she became the Jane Fonda of uh, Puerto Rico. When she was young, she started out teaching aerobics. And what she really loved was taking the women in the back who were, you know, a little broken. They were uh, unhappy with themselves. They were overweight. They were whatever. And she said by the end of the program, they would be in the front. And so in a way, it's like the plate. And She continued doing that basic through line for her entire life. So it's interesting and interesting ideas to find what is your through line? What is the thing that drives you that holds all the things you've done before and you will do in the future together? And that drives your passion. So I think you're going to learn a lot from Cindy Goldberg. She's been up, she's been down, but she's never been out. And here she is. So welcome, Cindy. We're so glad to have you here. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. I feel honored. Yeah, well, I'm delighted to have somebody who's back in my my home birth state, which is Puerto Rico. So how is it down there? Is it beautiful? Oh, well, I I live in one of the archipelagos and it's paradise. It's 1,500 residents, uh, no covid Everything's closed down. It's 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 paradise. I can't. Oh well. Complain. Okay. So now we hate you. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about reinvention. You're a serial reinventor, obviously. I'm the mother of reinvention. The mother of reinvention. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about where the where the heck did you grow up and um, how did you get started in your life and your career? And we can just keep those very short, but so people understand where you're coming from. Great. I was born in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Um, I'm Puerto Rican. My mother was uh, from Puerto Rico. My father was American, but he spent most of his life between Cuba and San Juan. And um, I studied in Europe. 
And when I came back to Puerto Rico, I got a job as a trainee at Young and Rubicam, uh, which at the time was one of the top advertising companies here in Puerto Rico. And uh, as a trainee, it was great. I went from department to department and uh, all of a sudden they had a problem with the guy that was uh, head of Noxima before it was Noxel and he was punched out and they wanted somebody who could not punch out the client. So I became an account executive, junior account executive at YNR at the young age of 21. And then where did you end up from there? Give us just a succession of your jobs. Well, um, I went from there. Um, I was trying to get away from a stalking situation. So I left YNR and moved to the farthest end of Puerto Rico that I could get to and became a um, tennis pro. I had had a big tennis career in Puerto Rico and well, in the States also and in Europe. And um, so I played that into being the tennis pro and I also was doing public relations for this brand new hotel that had funiculars and helicopters and very jet setty and that was fun. And I continued at the hotel, uh, working my way from tennis pro to managing the spa, the tennis and the golf operation into sales, eventually becoming director of sales for the hotel. When I asked to be resident manager, I was told in 1972 that I would be great for the position, but I was a woman, so they could not give me the job. <laughs> so um, it was, uh, you know, it was more or less the same things that happened in, in Young and Rubicam, where I was making one third of what all the male account executives were making. And now I was told that because I was woman, I couldn't be a resident manager. So I was headhunted to a, um, well, the Sea Pines Resort in Puerto Rico that had just opened to do real estate, public relation type um, type work, trying to bring people to to the uh, to the project, and uh, that worked uh, not that well because they didn't give me a budget, and it was very hard to bring people out to this wonderful resort. But you had to you know drive for two hours and then offer them a Coca Cola and a hamburger. So I decided that that was not for me and went back to San Juan. And uh, I um, got married and um, my husband had said that if I ever got fat, he would divorce me. So after nine years of on and off problematic marriages, I decided that I wanted a divorce, but I was I didn't want to ask for one. So I just packed on 50 pounds waiting for the day that he would say, you're fat, I'm going to divorce you. And it never came. So now I'm saying like, Jesus, I have 50 pounds overweight and I'm still stuck with this guy. So within six months, I got rid of 300 pounds. I got rid of the SOB and I dropped 50 pounds doing this wonderful aerobic exercise with a uh, class that was very near where I lived. Long story short, uh, within six months, the lady that ran the uh, business was leaving. Her husband had been transferred out of Puerto Rico. So I took over and created Aerobics de Puerto Rico and became the Jane Fonda of Puerto Rico. And I loved it because you'd have people coming into the class, you know, with the heavy set and the black leotards and the black tights and they'd stand like four rows back. And, and within six months, I mean, they were in the front row with fuchsia and shocking pink and turquoise tights and raring to go. And I would get all these complaints from their husbands who would come to my 
evening classes and say like, what did you do to my wife? She's killing me with all this energy she has. But that was a, a wonderful, wonderful experience. And uh, I taught 17 hours a week of high impact aerobics. At that time, there was no such thing as, as low impact. It was all, you know, all or nothing. Of course, I ended up with horrible shin splints and, you know, really, really bad situation with the legs. So once again, I had to figure out what I was going to do. Um, at that point, I moved to the States with uh, another husband and I ended up in Arizona, in Phoenix, and bored out of my gourd. And I started, you know, in Puerto Rico, we don't, we, at that point, we didn't have any resale or, uh, places where you could get vintage clothing or anything like that. And I would I'd love all that recycling type of thing. And again, changing things where you can see results. The so same thing with the, you know, the little black leotard lady turning into this vivacious person. So I found all these jean jackets and I decided I wanted to do reinvent them. So I'd line them in silk and I decorate them with, with everything under the sun. Now keep in mind, this is in the 1970s. This is way before you know, all the, what you do now. And I guess it was pretty, and it was called Original Sins. And uh, I would sell them to chic boutiques and they would go for like 200, $250. I did that for a while. And then my husband got um, sent to Europe. So we were living in Spain. And of course I didn't have any papers so I could not uh, work there. But um, I met through my husband's business or through his job, uh, a couple of gentlemen. One was running um, you know, Mercedes-Benz uh, uh, operation in the north of Spain. And the other one was head of a company called Guardian Industries. And they had all these young executives coming up and they needed somebody to teach them, not their jobs, but how to deal with social, social situations. So we did a social situations where how to introduce yourself, how to use the right fork, how to, how to get out of situations where the, the wife of the, of the president of the company gets drunk and comes on to you. How do you deal with that? So I was doing like social protocol. And I did that for a couple of years and enjoyed it. So there, there's a few reinventions there that you can see. And basically it was just opportunities that presented themselves. And I was, you know, open to them. Is that how you think most reinvention happens? Or is it just for you? Or you just were that type of person? How do you think that sort of works out? Because some people are very afraid of just letting it happen. Well, in, in my case, up until then, my reinvention was basically opportunity. It wasn't so much necessity. My necessity reinvention came a little bit later when I was in positions where I really had to do something to either keep my sanity or make ends meet. And that's where it, it changed a little bit. But, but I think that whenever you are stagnated, which I think is one of the worst things that can happen to anybody, when you get into that stagnation period, it's not only physical stagnation, it's mental stagnation. It's emotional stagnation. And, and if you're lucky enough to, to be able to get out of that quagmire and say, okay, I am, I'm gonna do something different. I'm gonna learn something different. I'm gonna 
think differently. I'm going to even look differently sometimes. That is a wonderful place to be because it opens up all these doors. And I think the, the I know the mistake I used to make was I would set a goal and I would have a project and I would just focus on that project and that goal and that one door that I wanted. And I would miss all the doors that were open. You know, just, I would pass them by, just focus on that one door that was blocked, locked, cemented. I mean, it was just, but I was just determined. So I think when you're reinventing yourself or when you're looking for reinvention or for looking for a change, I think it's, it's very important to keep that mind open and figure out not what you want to do, but what you don't want to do and then eliminate that and just, just let, let it happen. You know, uh, one, of your, one of your podcasters, uh, Alexis, mentioned the fact that um, uh, regenerating um, and, and using your contacts, it's very important to tell people what you're doing or what you're interested in doing, because that opens up a lot of, a lot of doors. And I think that's, that's really, really essential for, for reinvention. Can you give an example of, what you, of a door that you passed up that you wish you had gone through and how you just didn't even see it? Because I think that's also one of the philosophies that I've learned. A lot of reinventors say your mind has to be open to all the reinvention possibilities that throw themselves in front of you. Uh, I, don't, I don't know whether I had anything that I passed up. I, I think that um, my... my I'm trying to think of one of them because I've gone through so many doors <laughs> that it's hard to, to pick one that I didn't go through because I've, I've gone from soup to nuts. Um, I, I really, you know, Leslie, it's, it's, it's a blank. It's a blank. I can't remember anyone that, that I didn't think that I, you know, that I focused on that, um, that I didn't really pursue. So were you a, one of these manifestors? There are a lot of people who believe in just sort of envisioning it and manifesting it, and then it happens because of that. Is that I, I how think, you operate? I think with me, something sparks me. Like when I was in Spain, I had taken a trip to Bali, and I bought this wonderful piece of ceramic that was broken when I got it back. And I was, you know, was upset. And my friend said, oh, Isabel can fix that. I said, it's shattered. And I took my plate to Isabel and Isabel brought it back to me and it was in perfect condition. I said like, oh my God, that's another thing that I'd like to do. Taking something, you know, in pieces or, or overweight or, and making it beautiful. So I had a bee in my bonnet when I got back to the States. I, I went to um, Appleton, Wisconsin and went to Lawrence University and took a course in, in object restoration of crystal and porcelain and ceramic and, um, I went back to my home at that time. I was living in North Carolina and opened up a, a, a business called Give Me a Break. Now, I had no idea that I was going to go into the restoration business. It was just that plate that sort of I saw what you could do with with pieces and and shattered whether it's you know whatever shattered bodies, minds, pieces. I think it's 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 I, I like to see results, and this was a result driven profession that drew, drew me to it. And I guess that was the same thing with the aerobics thing. It drew me to be able to, to give somebody a, you know, a new le lease on life. And with the objet, it's the same thing. The objects got a new, instead of ending up in the waste bin, they were back uh, up on the shelf looking beautiful. And that sort of attracted me. So I did give me a break for quite a while. Um, 
And then I went through a horrific divorce and my husband was very upset that I would have the audacity to leave this wonderful life and prefer to be poor and because he's, he's gonna leave me without a cent. And he was true to his word. He was very, very true to his word. And so I had to reinvent myself and I had to find something to do. And as luck would have it, a friend of mine from New York said, listen, I have to go on this extended sales trip. Can you come and live in my apartment in New York and uh, go back into the hotel business and work the sales office for me, which I did. And I was offered a, a job at the hotel. So I stayed working on the sales force. So I came back into, into the hotel business uh, and, uh, and ended up uh, working there for a while. And uh, then I was pulled back into going back to, to, to um, North Carolina because of the problems I had with the house that I had rented and rented out. And so it was a, uh, a lot of different mo movements and, and, and uh, changes. And when I got back to North Carolina, my, my son called me up and said, oh, mom, how are you doing? And I said, fine, how are you? And he said, oh, I'm a little down, I'm a little lonely. I said, oh, well, listen, you know, I just left my job in New York, so I'll come down and visit you. And that was 2001 and I'm still here. Of course, his loneliness um, lasted like three weeks because he met the love of his life. <laughs> <laughs> and they're living at this beautiful little uh, condo resort type place that he had, that he owned a, a, a villa in. And the owner said, hey, I hear you're in the hotel business. Why don't you come and work for me? So I stayed in Puerto Rico working at uh, this resort. So, so it's all sort of been opportunity, but it's also been the willingness to just go with the flow. And, and for whatever reason, I think I have been blessed with the ability to learn things and to grasp things. And you could call me a Renaissance woman. Um, but but I, I, I don't believe in multitasking because I think that's the ability to do a lot of things mediocre. I believe in focusing on something and doing it well. And whether it's advertising or fashion or restoration or gardening or whatever it is, um, I'm very passionate about whatever I do. And I think that helps me reinvent myself because I really just dive right into it. So do you think it's passion more than, I mean, but also it's a combination. It sounds like a couple of times you had to go get a little bit of education in the ideas you were curious about. Oh, definitely, definitely. I, 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 I love, I love school. I've always loved school from a child. I was probably the only person in school that loved going to school. Um, so for me, that is just another opportunity. I mean, I've, I've, I've learned, you know, I've, I've, I grew up, thank goodness, I, I grew up bilingually. I speak Spanish as well as I speak English. And, uh, you know, I went to school to learn Italian. I went to school to learn French. It's just, I love learning things and, and allowing myself to be able to communicate with different peoples and learn about different peoples and travel. So, I'm, I'm a very passionate person. Whatever I do, I enjoy, I, I, I learn from, I, I try to help people along the way. My motto has always been, leave people and places better than you found them. Whether it's, whether it's a social situation or a work situation, whatever. And I think the opportunities that we have to reinvent ourselves 
not necessarily just for careers. I mean, it's basically your whole, your whole person, your whole way of thought, reinventing how you think, how you, how you react to different people, how you react to different situations. It's, it's a total reinvention of self, more, you know, besides the jobs and, and, and the, the locations and whatnot. How does that translate into your life now? So now you are you working for the hotel business? Oh no, no, I I reinvented myself three times after that. No, no, no. Um, so um, I was semi-retired and I had my little restoration business, which I was sort of uh, easing out of because of all the chemicals. And I was hired away from Ritz Carlton. Uh, to do some work with them and a great training. I love their training. I, I did not like working for them. It's almost like a cult. And I had decided that I was just going to take off. And, and I was in a situation where I could basically financially live six months in Europe and six months in, in Puerto Rico and maybe do a little bit of restoration once in a while. And so I was uh, living in Italy uh, about four months out of the year and traveling a lot. And uh, we had a situation in Puerto Rico with UBS uh, finances where they used a loophole in the law to basically bilk billions of dollars of bondholders that, um, that had invested with them. And unfortunately for me, I had sold all my stock and everything I'd made with my real estate and I'd put them in municipal bonds and I was living off the interest, which now disappeared. So once again, it was time for reinvention. And of course, now I'm probably what, the 70, 70 something years old, not easy to reinvent yourself. And, uh, and I struggled. Uh, I, I did a little bit of restoration, but that was not good for my health. And I started with the, one of those floaters and flashers in your eyes. So when I was repairing a piece, I didn't know whether it was, it was a flaw in the piece or was it was a flaw in my eye. So that was getting very frustrating. So I, um, I started doing, um, I guess you could call it refurbishing, people that had houses that were not in great shape. And it was a bit of you know painting and, and restaging and using and organizing. And I just, with bits and pieces. And I was doing that for a friend of mine when um, uh, this gentleman who had, had gone to see one of the houses pre and post, he was apparently uh, very impressed with what I had done and said, you know, I have a property and I'd like to, you know, have you help me with designing and landscaping and stuff like that. I said, great. So anyway, I, uh, this was for four, four years ago, five years ago. I have been working with him or for him um, as a property manager, Gal Friday, um, and he has various properties, but one of his properties is on this lovely archipelago, which is where I live now. And I have a couple of clients here and I, I do everything. I train staff, I do gardening, I do um, design, I supply, I do whatever I have to do. And um, of course it's not full time as far as my time is concerned. So of course I had to do something else. So when uh, COVID started, I decided that if I continued to just sit here 
as much as I was gardening and moving around, I was just sitting on my butt most of the day and I had to work out, but I am horrible at working out by myself. I was so used to having 40 people in my classes and getting all that energy back. And there was no way in hell that I was gonna turn on the TV and follow somebody. But I decided I would call some of my friends and I would do a Zoom class. So since March, I've been doing a Zoom class three times a week uh, from 10 to 11. They just come on. I sent them the invitation in the morning and we do balancing and, and weight training and, and aerobics and we do stretches. And it's a lot of fun. It's great for me. I lost 15 pounds and um, I feel fantastic. It gives me a lot of energy. But that was the physical part. The mental part was very difficult to do it because this is a small island and there's absolutely nothing happening here in the good times. So it's you know, when, there's, when there's COVID, everybody's in their homes. Uh, my niece suggested that I do a podcast. And I said, I've never done a podcast, da, 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 da. And she said, well, try it. So I ca called a couple of people and they said, Cindy, you should do a YouTube channel. So I started a YouTube channel in May called Original Sin, and it's wit and wisdom. And that's my latest reinvention. So I've gone back to, to being an aerobics teacher, which is not really a reinvention, it's just like a reconnection. But I've reinvented myself as a vlogger, which I didn't even know what the word meant. And I have, uh, I think I posted something like 20 some odd uh, videos. Um, I try to do it once a week. And it's been great. I love the comments when people comment back. And they're, they're, I started out and they were pretty long. My first one was the 77-year-old virgin finally does it. Um, and of course, I got 25 hits because everybody thought it was a porno, uh, but <laughs> didn't turn out that way. So, um, so now I have my job here at Culebra and I have my YouTube channel and I'm my invention that has always been there and it was very funny when I was listening to one of the podcasts you had uh, uh, Devlin I can't remember her first name right now Anita Devlin I think she is where she is an organizer I've been doing that all my life when I visit people it was so funny because I heard her saying that she was a perfect house guest I mean I take my restoration kit I'd let people know in advance to have a to-do list and I mean I've, I've organized closets and houses all over the world and I decided that maybe my next reinvention is going to be a time, motion, and space manager. So Ooh, I love that. That's interesting. Stay tuned for that one because that one, and I'm thinking since I now have my Spanish passport and I'm allowed to work in the UE or EU as you call it in, in America, um, I can work anywhere in Europe. So I'm thinking that I have maybe eh, three more years in Puerto Rico. And when I'm 80, I'm starting my new reinvention of being a time, motion, and space manager. <laughs> You're a rock star. Which Unbelievable. Is, which, is better, which is better than being a, a space cadet, which I have been. Right. <laughs> so in terms of advice, Cindy, in closing here, what, what would you suggest if you were telling somebody um, who's listening, who may be coming out of corporate, who may be coming out of a bad divorce, who may be coming out of all these things. What's the best sort of words of wisdom? Do you have one or two tips on how to actually make this work? Well, I, I think it's important, no matter what decision you make, to find out what you don't want. 
that's much easier than knowing what you do want. So if you, if you, if you can eliminate what you don't want, that's important. And then you go into the thing and you, and you make lists. I'm a huge list person. Things that you enjoy doing, things that you can do. People say like, oh, I, I, I can only do this. Well, if you make a list, you would be surprised and you could put everything. Good cook, a good organizer, gardener, driver, hairstylist, uh, color coordinator, wine, wine connoisseur, whatever. Whatever passions you have and whatever you, you're good at, make that list. And, and try to figure out how you can incorporate all this into something that you would be passionate about, that you would enjoy doing, and you could make a living from. And then you start talking to all your friends, asking them advice. I mean, I have a letter that I've already written, I haven't sent it to all my friends in Europe saying, hey, would this go, wouldn't it go? You know, what do you think? Ask for help, ask for help, ask for help. There's so many wise women out there most women are wise, but they just don't listen to their gut. <laughs> but it's true. Just, just ask for support. Sometimes we put on our superwoman capes and we think we can do it all ourselves. Well, we basically can, but it's much easier if we have the support of wonderful women out there. And Kobe Club is just so great as far as that's concerned because that's what we have to do in our lives. So open up doors, look for open doors and just Find something that you love doing. I mean, I know it's a cliche if you love what you're doing today, but it's true. I mean, you have to be passionate about what you, what you do. If not, you're not going to be good at it. It's going to be a drag. How many people work at crap that they hate just because they want a big paycheck? Take the paycheck and do something you love. I mean, that's my advice. Love it. That's great. Cindy, thank you so much. I love that. That's wonderful. We have really not talked before about just taking your passion and exploiting it. And I think you're right. It makes you feel like you're not working. And that's fantastic. Cindy, thank you so much. Thank you for having me here and for sharing your podcast. I've learned so much and just keep on doing what you're doing. It's a, it's, it's a joy. So thank you, everybody, for listening to this podcast with Cindy Goldberg. I love it when we can find a new way of looking at reinvention and understanding it and understanding what makes somebody reinvent, and especially the people who reinvent over and over and over again. We all meet obstacles. We can't avoid them. No matter what you do, they are going to present themselves. That's what life is. The question is, how do you get around them? I hope if you like the podcast, you will subscribe and give us some stars or give us a review or leave us a comment and share it with friends who may need help with their own reinvention. We know that after COVID, a lot of women are going to have to re re rethink everything they do because the world has changed so dramatically. And it may be that you want to rethink what you want to do, how you want to do it, where you want to do it. It's all good. And we're here to help you with that message. And if you would like to learn more about this stage of life that is so wonderful and so interesting, mosey on over to coveyclub.com and see all the other wonderful articles, original writing by the best writers around the world. And come visit us on the Covey Club app under Covey Connect. You can join and become a Nest member. 
And you can join the conversation with accomplished women who really are making their voices heard and getting things done and changing the world. So thank you so much for being here. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I'm the founder of Covey Club, and I hope you'll join us again. Take care.